0: I want to ask you a question tonight, and it's this. Who in the world are you? Who in the world are you? You know, sometimes we hear that phrase, who in the world is that? Who in the world is that? Well, I want to ponder the question tonight. Who in the world am I? Who in the world am I? This weekend is about finding truth in God's word not truth in what the world is telling us, not truth in what magazines are telling us or social media or billboards. We are looking into the Word of God to see what He says about us. We've heard people say, I am a self-made millionaire. Well, I'm not, I wish I could say that, but I'm not. Or I'm a self-made woman, I'm a self-made businesswoman. I'm a self-made this, I'm a self-made that. Well, I want you to know tonight, I know who in the world you are, and I know who in the world I am. We are God's chosen daughters. We are God's chosen daughters. You are God made. You are not by chance. You are God made. You are a daughter of God, and you're going to hear that a lot. You are a daughter of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a daughter of God. You are a daughter of God. I want to read from some, it's always dangerous to have women start talking to each other in a room of women. All right, come back. You say it once, that's it. In the amplified version, it might go up a little different, but I'll read it in this. For you formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being formed in secret, and intricately and skillfully formed, as if embroidered with many colors in the depths of the earth, your eyes, have already seen my unformed substance. And in your book were written all the days that were appointed for me, when as yet there was not one of them, even taking shape. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If you only knew how much God is thinking about you all the time, There's this phrase I heard quite a while ago and it's relating to people that think, Oh, people are always talking about me. And I heard this phrase once and I found it interesting. it it goes something like this. If you knew how little people really are talking about you (laughs) or thinking about you, but God is thinking about you right now. He sees you in this place. You are not here by chance. We had all pre-registration decided to walk in and come here tonight, even though you didn't plan it. You are here because God brought you here and he has something to say to you. And part of what he wants to say is to remind you, you are a daughter of God. So we are going to look at three things. Focus on three things tonight. What does God say about me in his word? What does God's word say about who I am in Christ? And how do I live out who God says I am? Because whether you know Christ or not, what God says about you in his word is the truth. It's when you come to Christ, there are promises in his word that tells us who we are in Christ when we come to Christ. But whether you... This might be the first time you've, you've, you've darkened the doorway of a church. We're so glad you're here. Maybe you've never been to a church. These promises are for you. You were formed in your mother's womb, intricately and skillfully by the Lord. I'm going to throughout this message tonight, weave in just a little bit of my testimony here and there. I was adopted as an infant from birth, right from the hospital. So I'm gonna just kind of talk about a little of that, a little bit as it relates to who we are in God. Um, Growing up, my parents always had a garden. We've tried to have a garden, but we have groundhogs that eat our gardening food, so we can't do that. But my parents always had gardens with corn and squash and green beans and tomatoes and cucumbers. And in that garden, it was the kid's job to harvest the vegetables. Well, I don't know about you, But I don't really enjoy that, and this is why. My mother would always say, "Pick up the vines and check underneath." I don't like bugs. I don't like. It's not even funny. Don't laugh. I'm serious. I don't like bugs. I don't like spiders. My daughter and I, we will scream bloody murder if there is, especially a centipede. They have five million legs. We will scream, and if there's no one in the house, we will sell the house and move. We have talked about doing that before. We don't like them. As a matter of fact, my daughter recently bought a townhouse and last year she wasn't in it very long and she said, there are bugs. I see bugs in this house. I'm going to sell it. (laughs) So that's just to give you a little idea of how we feel about bugs. So as a child, I am deeply scarred by the fact that I had to lift those vines up and look underneath And the the stalks of corn would be so high and we had to go into the stalks of corn. I don't know what was in there. There might be creatures, there might, I don't know. I don't know, but I did not like harvesting this fruit. And sometimes you pick up the vines and not just bugs and creepy things, but rotted vegetables that fell off the vine and rotted there. That's what Jesus did for you and me. He went to the garden he went and he lifted all of our muck and all of our mire and all of the rottenness and all of the smelliness and all of the gross stuff that some of us had as part of our lives. And he got to the fruit because he created us. He created us. God's word says it is his will that all come to repentance, all All of us, our families, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. That's his will that we all come to repentance. So it never mattered to God what he had to dig through. He just digs through it because that's how precious we are to him. That's what he's done for you and I. And sometimes we have to just stop and remember that. We don't live in the past, but sometimes it's good to remember what we came from. And I know Jennifer this weekend is going to share some things that God did in her life and how she came to Christ. And it's good to remember and rehearse those things because it reminds us where he brought us from and where he'll keep taking us. See, because God's not done with us yet. I'm super glad about that because I am so far from what God wants me to be. I know it. I just know it. I know he has more for me. So I'm so glad he does not give up, but he dug into that muck and the mire and the disappointment and the dirt and the scary places and the brokenness and the failures. You know, we feel like failures sometimes, but God sees through all of that. I love in Matthew 18, starting in 12, he says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them, just one, think about that one, one sheep, one. One of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? Now, I don't know about you, I don't know much about sheep herding and all that, but I do know this, if I had a hundred, and I'm left with 99 and one was gone, I probably wouldn't go look for him. There's wolves, there's wild animals, there's all that, right? So this is such a great picture. It shows that God valued that one sheep, God values your life, that he'll leave the 99 that are nice and safe and sound and he will go into your muck and mire and brokenness and disappointment and and all of that stuff to find you and bring you back. And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than the 99 that didn't wander away. That's your value in God. Have you ever gone to a garage sale and you're hoping to find a bargain? I'm just, sometimes we'll just take drives in like Barrington or some of the like, you know, upper class towns that, you know. And um, honestly, you you look at this stuff and you're like, are you kidding me? Throw it in the garbage. Why are you selling this? And it looks like it's old and and, and collected dust and mildew and something in somebody's attic and they put it on a sheet on the ground. How inviting is that to buy? They're junk on the sheet on the ground and say, this is how much I'm asking for it. It just looks like junk. But the trained eye, not mine, I do not have a trained eye for really much valuable, maybe your antiquers or, you know, something. You could go and you could see what looked like a dirty, old, broken up piece of furniture and you'll be like, $5, I'll take it. Because you know the value of that. You know you can take it and strip it and redo it and fix it. And what do you need, whatever you need to do to make that valuable, that's what God does with us see we look at each other on the outside and we think that person you know what they are so far gone there's no way back for them that is such a li- let me just say that the devil is such a liar and he and he's loud and clear with his lies right we get so muddled up i don't know if god's speaking to me or not is that god is it not? i don't know what to do but the devil we're like oh yeah We understand everything the enemy says. We've gotta understand what God says, and the only way to do that, if you're part of this church, you have heard me say it a million times, I'll say it a million more times, and I say it when I go to Liberia and anywhere else. If you want to know what God thinks about you, get in the Word. Get in the Word. If you are not reading the Word, you are missing out on the truths of God for your life. It's, It's healing, it's food, it's nutrition, it's nourishment. It's hydration, the word of God. And God does that when he sees us. He doesn't look and see a wasted, mildewy, dusty thing that should have been thrown in the garbage. He goes, oh yeah, I see the value in that. And he picks us up and he dusts us off and he starts changing us when we surrender to him. He starts changing us and regenerating us and moving things around, changing things in our lives. He begins to speak to us and we begin to learn how to recognize his voice. That's what God does. He looks past what is on the outside. We all like to look nice. We like to wear makeup and earrings and dress nice. All the young women in the church when I walked in today went, Pastor Lisa, you got the cool pants on. (laughs) I was like, they noticed. (laughs) Yes, thank you to my daughter who helps me dress appropriately. (laughs) So we like to look nice. You know, we like to have earrings and perfume and all that. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself unless you make that the God of your life. Unless every time you leave your house in the morning, you stand. I mean, I did look in the mirror. So I'm not saying you don't look in the mirror. You can look in the mirror, but if you're standing there and you're just not satisfied for one hour, two hours, i got to do more, i got to do more makeup, i got to do more clothes, i got to do more this, I have to do more that, then your identity is not in what you look like in the mirror. You're looking at the wrong mirror. There's nothing wrong with those things, but when you become obsessed with them, then it becomes an idol that you are putting before God. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he enables you to overcome the past, to rise above self-imposed limitations. It's, let me just add that. It's not always the, the world's putting these limitations on me. Sometimes you are putting the limitations on you. You are putting those limit, limitations on you. And God wants us to see past that. He wants us to realize who we are in his eyes. If you don't walk away with anything else all weekend, just know that God looks at you and he loves you and he values you and he has a good, good, good plan for your life. And that doesn't matter of your age. This isn't just for teens. This isn't just for young adults. This is for women of all ages. You are valuable to the kingdom of God. You are valuable to your churches. You are valuable. You are gifted with gifts that someone your age, let's just say it, your age can still give to the local body. Don't ever believe the lie that I'm all washed up because I'm whatever age, such and such an age. No, we need you to teach us how to live godly lives. We need the older godly women. This is how much Jesus loved you. And I want you to envision this. Jesus loved you, you individually, you enough that he died for you. I have never, I don't think, loved anybody that I, enough that I would die for them. Well, maybe my kids. Or maybe my husband. But I'm even talking about a love deeper than that. A love deeper than that. Not the kind of love on this level that we have with spouses and children and friends and family and parents. It's not that. It's different. Jesus was brutally, brutally murdered on a cross for you and for me. And once you see yourself in the mirror of God's word, you see someone who is being transformed day by day, not all of a sudden, but day by day in the likeness of Jesus. And that's when you will discover your true identity. Sometimes there are women that are walking with the Lord for years and years and years and men as well. And they still don't, have not figured out their identity because they're not in the word. They are not getting in the word. See, we can come into a church on Sundays, and I was speaking to, what did we say, 55 churches represented? For 55 churches, we can all go to those churches and hear the word preached and leave and never do a thing with what we've just heard, or we can take that into our private lives, into our personal lives, into our jobs, into our families, and live out what we have heard from that pulpit. So number one, what does God say about me in his word? Now, growing up, I, I always knew I was adopted. There was never this sit down conversation where my parents said, I have something to tell you. We um, adopted you. There was not that. I just knew my whole life that I was. That's how my parents raised me. And when, they would, when we would talk about it, they always would say how special I was. And I was chosen, and they were so happy that I was born. And really, no matter what I was, a boy or a girl, I was, adop- was going to be adop- adopted by this family. And adoption was, was a lot simpler um, 58 years ago. That's how old I am, 58 years ago than it is now. There's a lot more red tape and everything. But thank God for people that adopt babies and adopt young people that are not biologically theirs. They need parents. And so I I am grateful for my parents that uh, that adopted me, Um, but I had some stuff that I had to work through in my own identity, and there was that root of rejection in me because I, I felt like, and, and really, it was in my early 20s that I started realizing that that was even there. I went through life kind of on, on, on like just everything, fast, 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 go to the mall, go here, go there, fast, fast. Now I hate going to the mall. I hate going to the mall. I used to love it because I could just go and buy clothes and just be busy, and that's how I operated. But in my early 20s, the Lord started showing me that seed of rejection that was in there, and I realized I felt some bitterness because that one human person that was supposed to love me over everything else gave me away. And maybe I'm speaking to some, some people that are adopted in this room or maybe some parents that have adopted children. It's, it's nothing that the, that the adoptive parents do wrong as much as what's already in us. And here's the thing, the devil plays on that. He plays on that. And I can tell you with no hesitation and no exaggeration, if Jesus Christ had not redeemed my life and saved my soul and begun that work in me that took a long time because I took a long time to let him do it, if he had not done that, I would not be standing here. I would not be anywhere probably in this vicinity at all. I don't know where I'd be. I don't even know where I'd be. But I know that I would not be here. God has redeemed my life. I knew some things about my biological um, mother and father. My biological mother was married, and she had two children, and she had an affair and had me, and did not want me part of her life. And so I carried that for a while without knowing that I carried it. And I want to say that because sometimes do you ever feel like in your life there's a motor? It's just running, 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 running. It's just this motor might not even hear it, but it's just, it's there, you know, it's, it's just, it's just this motor and it doesn't stop and it doesn't stop and it doesn't stop because the devil doesn't want it to stop because if it does, you're going to realize there's something in there that you got to let God at. You got to let God get at that root. And for me, it was that root of rejection, I felt, and and again, my, my biological parents, we love you, you were chosen, we couldn't wait for you, all the wonderful things that they did, they did right, but I still felt like an accident. I still felt unplanned. I still felt not wanted. I still felt like a mistake. I was a mistake. And I don't know what people say about you or what you think people say about you, or what the devil lies to you, or what you say about you. But I know what God says about me, and I know what God says about you. And I wondered for many years, I wondered, did my biological father ever know me? Did he even even know I was, was, was conceived? Like, did she hide that? And I dealt with these questions and all this open stuff until I let God begin to heal that in my life, that sense of loneliness I carried, I felt out of place. I would walk into a room and literally feel like there's nobody in this room that wants me in this room. I could cry thinking about that. I felt like that into my north 20s, like no, they, they're just kind of being nice to me. They don't really want this, me in this room right now. They don't really want to be my friend. They're just like acting like that. And don't sit there and say that none of you as adults have felt similar or different things in your life. But I'm so grateful that I can get in the word of God and find out what he says about me. Are you ready? Here's number one. In Jeremiah 1.5, God says this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. I love this translation that uses the word chosen. When I was in school, elementary school and high school, I was always the last one chosen on the teams. First of all, I think that was a terrible thing they did to kids, (laughs) really bad. They would pick two captains, it was awful. I think I might still have a little residue from that. And you were all laughing at me because you know what it feels like. The captain, who's usually the most, most athletic guy, they pick guys to be the captains, and then we had to line up. We had to line up. This is like, this is child abuse. Really, we had to line up, and they'd be like, you, 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 and I'd be like, you know? It was this little scrawny thing and they never wanted me on their team, and I was always the last one. The coach would be like, all right, you go on that one now. That's, that's a true story! Over and over and over and over again. Like, I, that's why I hate sports. My poor daughter, I forced her to go to tennis camp, and she's never going to let me live that one down. I know, I should have known better what I went through, right? I know. I just realized, I never thought of that connection. I'm really sorry that I made you go to tennis camp. See me after. And what? And gymnastics. And soccer, I bribed her. I will pay you to go to soccer camp. she cry every day. That, I would, you know what? we got to talk about that. <laughs> so I've always felt like nobody wants me around. Nobody wants me. But that's not what God, God's word tells me. He tells me he chose me. Yes. He yes. chose me. Let's see what he says in Psalm 119, 13 and 14. I am unique and wonderfully made. He said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. I wasn't a mistake. It says right here. You knit me together in my mother's womb, in my biological mother's womb, when she made a choice that she regretted, God was still knitting me together in her womb. Whatever mistake she thought she made, here I am. In my bell-bottom pants. We should have saved all of our bell-bottoms. We're spending an arm and a leg on bell-bottoms now. It's ridiculous. Just start saving all of your clothes. <laughs> so I was not a mistake. Let's see, what does he say about us in Genesis 127? It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. I used to wonder, who do I look like? I would say You know on those crime shows, they have those one-way windows, and they do the lineup on one side, and then the witness over here goes, it was number three. I always said, I wish I could put my biological family, brother, sister, mother, father, on one side of that glass, just look at them, just to see what they look like, and then, boom, be done. That's all. He tells me he created me in his image. That's who I look like. I wanna look like my father, my heavenly father. I don't need to see who I look like. Now I have a son and a daughter. My son looks like me, my daughter looks like my husband, but I can look at the, I still think that my daughter looks like me when I was her age. She will never admit to that, but she does a little bit. Um, So I see that resemblance, but the light went on. My heavenly father. That's who you look like. That's who you look like. You were created in the image of God. What does he tell us in Jeremiah 29 11? That I have special gifts and talents, and he has specific plans and purposes for me. This is what he says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So if I read that scripture, I can no longer believe the lie that my life was by chance. Because this says, he knew the plans that he had for me. Good plans to prosper you. Not just money, but to prosper your life. So you could say, my soul prospers. That's how he wants to prosper us. My life was not left to chance. What does he say in Luke 12, 6 and 7? That he actually knows the number of hairs on my head. Now, this is a conversation we're going to have. Wait. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head, and wig, and do, and extensions, we keep God very busy with the hairstyles, girls. We have a church of wonderful women that sometimes, every time they come to church, their hair is different. It's long, it's short, it's curly. My good friend, Evelyn, where are you? Your hair is purple for women of Judah. She's here somewhere. I can't, there she is, purple hair, woo! Come on. God knows exactly how many purple hair you have, Evelyn. We brush our hair, we blow dry our hair. My bathroom floor is covered with hair when I'm done doing that. But this says he knows the number of hairs on our head. What does he say in Isaiah 49? Are you catching on yet? That every lie that the enemy fed me, I have realized who I really am in the word of God. The word of God. Isaiah 49, 17 says, he will never forget me because he engraved, me on the na- on, he engraved my name on his hands. Amen. It says, I would not forget you, exclamation point. I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palm of my hands. My biological mother, the lie that I lived with for so many years, did she forget about me? Does she ever think about me? Does she even remember my birthday? God says he will not forget me. He has not forgotten me. He has not forgotten you. I don't care how far away from God you may be. I don't care how many failures and mistakes you feel you have made. He has not and will not. He goes, Lisa, there it is. He knows your name and he will not forget you. Psalm 17, eight, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. That tells me I'm special to God. I felt not wanted when I was given away, but this is the truth. I am special to him and he will shelter me in the shadow of his wings. John 1, 12, he is my heavenly father and I am his child. He says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I am God's child. From even before I was conceived, I belong to God as his daughter. You belong to God as his precious daughter. But what is the most precious thing that God says about me is this, and think about this, that even though he knows me, he loves me anyway. Sometimes we get to know people and we don't love them. We might not even like them, but God knows every detail about every one of our lives And he loves us anyway. Psalm 139 says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. God knows you. He knows where you're at. He knows your personality. He knows everything about you. He knows your likes. He knows your dislikes. He knows your insecurities. He knows your strengths. He knows your gifts. He knows your talents. He knows everything about you. Even all the bad stuff that we don't want people to know about us, God knows, but he still loves us. Princess Alice was Queen Victoria's daughter when her son contracted an incurable disease called black diphtheria. The doctors quarantined the boy and warned his mother to stay away from him lest she get infected, yet she couldn't. One day, she overheard her son whisper to his nurse, why doesn't my mother kiss me anymore? His words melted his mother's heart, and she ran to him, smothering him with kisses. Within a few days, she died and was buried. What would compel a mother to risk her life for her child? Love. Now stand at the foot of the cross and ask that question. What could compel the Son of God to die on a cross for me? Love. That is love. Let's look at number two. What does God's word say about who I am in Christ? When we accept Jesus immediately, we are born into new spiritual life for eternity. We are forgiven of our sins, Ephesians 1 tells us. We become a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us. We become a friend of Christ. John 15, 15 says that Jesus calls us his friend. And because of God's grace and mercy, continual grace and mercy, miraculously, when we allow Christ to come into our lives, he begins to transform us and we become more like him. I was reading about a butterfly. You can learn a lot about a lot. You can learn a lot about a lot of things in nature and animals and so I was reading about this butterfly Not even looking it up for this, but I read it and it made me think of this. The butterfly, this is just like, if you're a biologist here, please don't stand up and like, tell me I'm all wrong. I'm just giving giving them the quick synopsis of this, like in two paragraphs. Starts off in what's called a chrysalis. To me, it's pretty creepy looking. Have you ever seen those chrysalises hanging? You know, the little cocoon things? I don't know, they're just gross. So it says, I I read that in 5 to 21 days, it takes 5 to 21 days before coming out of that chrysalis. But in harsh places and the desert, it can stay in that chrysalis up to 3 years. Wow, right? 3 years. And do you know why it's waiting? This is God that created this little creature. It's waiting for rain or good conditions to come out. How does it even know what it's doing outside that chrysalis? I don't even, I like, so again, if you're a biologist, please just email me all the details because I, I really want to go look, about, look up this stuff a little more. And when he finally emerges, it's covered with a red liquid excretion called meconium. Meconium is made up of waste material that's produced during that stage when it's in that chrysalis. And you know, that image was planted in my mind, that that, that when I came in, I was just messy and ugly and and made up of waste. That's what that meconium is made up of, that waste of inside that chrysalis. And I thought, that's how we feel sometimes. We just feel like we're a waste. My life is a waste. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing what I thought I would. I'm not doing what God has asked me to do. Today is your day. We're gonna get you in gear this weekend, ladies. If you feel that way, set aside, brush off that meconium. Get your tissues and just clean it off because God is saying, come forth out of your chrysalis. What are you waiting for? Three years, That's that's like crazy. And maybe some of you, a year, two years, 10 years, five years, eight years, 20 years, and you haven't fully developed as that woman of God that God wants you to be because of your fears. Come out of that chrysalis tonight. Wipe off that stuff and let God do in you what he needs to do in you. That was the image I had, messy. I wasn't wanted. I wasn't loved. I wasn't anticipated, all that. And God said, oh, yeah, you were. And he literally put this picture in my mind one one, one night, I was about 29 years old, and he put this picture of of my, it was like watching a TV set. And here's Jesus, and here's the delivery room, and I came out of the biological mother, and you know how usually the doctor takes them and pats them, make sure they cry and breathe and all that? Well, Jesus took me. There was no doctor in this vision that he showed me. Jesus took me, and he immediately, handed me to my adoptive parents and he gave me that and he showed me that, of course you were anticipated by God first of all and by the family that he had prepared for me to raise me the way that I needed to be raised. If that doesn't tell you how important we are, we are important to God. I was anticipated, I was wanted, I was loved. Not just by my adoptive parents, but by God himself. And he knew the plans that he had for me. Number three, quick, Number three, quickly, how do we live out who God says I am? 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift. Yes, you. You, 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 all of you, he has given you gifts. Well, I think he forgot me. No, he didn't. Ask him what it is. Go to your leadership in your church and say, I need help to discover what my gifts are. You have gifts. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety. Use them well to serve one another. It would take me several years from... Um, being raised and accepting the Lord in my life and even going to Bible college before I fully surrendered to the Lord. I graduated Bible college and I felt like I, I didn't have the direction that I, that I had waited for. You know, sometimes when you graduate from Bible college, there's this great anticipation that God is just gonna say, go to wherever. We used to, you know, we used to hear people say, you know, God will say, go to Africa. That was all we would, like that was the continent to get to when we were in Bible college. Africa, if you get to Africa, you have made it. I finally gotten there. (laughs) Took me a long time, but I've gotten there. and I can't wait to go back. But it took, me, it took me more years than I like to admit. I began to wander away from God and get involved in, in some things that I felt would be more fulfilling than, than God. And I found out that they weren't. They were not more fulfilling than God. They could not fulfill that void that I had in my life. And now, today, I am doing things in ministry that only God could have gotten me to a place to do. Never would have I had ever thought that I would be doing what I'm doing. Not only can and I, and I say this, I, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to say it in confidence in God. Not that I still don't get nervous singing up here, people. That, that You know, that's, that's, that's still some measure of nervousness. But there was a day I could never, have walked into a room full of women like this and walked up here and talked to you. I could not have done that. And I could never have thought that I could do it. But because of God's grace, this is what, this is what he wants me to do. There are things that he wants you to do that you know what your gifts are but you automatically think I could never do those things. Get in the word girls. Get in the word. Get your identity in Christ. And we will learn how to live out what God how, what God says that we are. From time to time my mother who was a fervently praying mother, thank God for that. She prayed for me immensely. From time to time growing up, she would remind me what my name meant, which means it's it's derived from Elizabeth, which means God's promise devoted to God or consecrated to God. And that phrase my mother would say, you are consecrated to God, you are consecrated to God. She would speak that into my life. We need to speak words of life over each other. We need to speak words of life over our families. Even our coworkers, speak life. Don't go to the water fountain and talk about everybody behind their back. If you're gonna go talk about people, speak life about people. We need to speak life. And she, she did speak life over me. And eventually I was awakened to that fact that God had set me apart. God did have some things for me to do. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a nana. I love being a nana. Oh my word, I cannot tell you I love being a nana. And my husband loves being a baba, or nana and baba. Wonderful callings and blessings. And in ministry, in ministry, because of what God has tasked me to do, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, all things, because he will give me the strength and opportunities to fulfill his purpose. And that's what God wants for all of us in this room today. All of you watching on live stream, this is what God has for all of you. We are in search of things. We're always on the search, searching here, searching there, searching for success. When God is telling us in his word, Ephesians 6.10, he tells us we have God's power. The same power that brought Jesus out of that grave. I love that song. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Sometimes we need to say it. Matter of fact, go, go home and maybe stand in front of the mirror and tell yourself, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up out of that grave. Hell lost another one. Uh Uh-huh. Hell lost another one. What a great, what a great song. That should cause us all to rejoice in God. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. Devil, you're a liar. I am free. I am free. I am free. It's his power that we need. Not more beauty. Not more talent not more money, not more Botox, not more facelifts, not more clothes, not more makeup, not more vacations, not more accolades, or not more of whatever the devil is telling you you need more of. Whatever the devil's trying to sell you, if it's from the devil, you don't need it. It is not good for you. We need more of Jesus and his power. Tara, if you you guys wanna come back, and we're gonna dismiss in a minute, but we're gonna have some time around these altars tonight. The world and social media and advertisements are pushing us all to more of everything that's superficial. We need a God who is supernatural, supernatural. There is no doubt that we live in an evil, fallen world. People are suffering. People are suffering. We saw this video of Rescue One in these different countries, Philippines, India, Mexico, people are suffering. We live in a fallen, broken world where men are doing evil things to each other. That's why we need a God who is supernatural. That's why we need the power of God in our lives. That is what we need. My identity, your identity, it's in Christ. And with God's help, we are going to become more and more and more like Him. You belong to God. You were fearfully and you were wonderfully made. Our tongue has thousands of little taste buds. And I was trying to get a straight answer, but this, this, these, are the different, these are the different numbers I heard for how many taste buds that we have on this tongue. Two to 4,000, 10,000, two to 8,000, or five to 10,000. But the point is this. However many thousand taste buds we have on our tongue, God created every one of them for a reason. Our intestinal system has 20 million little mouths capable of digesting almost anything, even puff puffs. One of my favorite food is puff puffs. Our cooling system, which we needed in Liberia when the electricity went off. Our cooling system is 1.6 to 5 million sweat glands per square inch of our bodies. Only God could. We are skillfully and intricately made. We were created with a network of 95 to 100 billion nerve cells or neurons, the branches of which send and interpret messages and formulate our Response to the messages. That's a creative God. No one has your voice pattern. No one has your DNA. No one has your fingerprints. When you were born, God didn't say, great, what am I going to do with this one? No way. He created you with your own DNA. He created us in his image. He created us to worship him and praise him. That's why we're created, and everything we do should worship God. How we live should worship God. How we speak should worship God. Our thoughts should worship God. Our mouths should worship God. Not just in singing, not just in dancing, not just in church, but our whole lives should worship God. When you think about how we were created, that is such a creative God. He deserves praise and glory. I want to read Psalm 139, 13 to 17 again. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to read this scripture again. I know what you're going to sing, yes. Perfect song. And I want you, if you feel that you just need to have some time with the Lord and you need to have your identity in Christ reminded to you or renewed in you, Something that we've talked about, the dance, the word of God, a scripture
1: that has touched
0: your heart and reminded you, yeah, I need a reminder of my identity in God's eyes. Because at the end of the day, God is all that matters. God is the one that matters. We love our families, we love our spouses if we have them, we love our children, we love our neighbors, we love people. But the one opinion that matters more than what anybody else thinks is what God thinks of us. Psalm 139, for you formed me, my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. We are his works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. You are not a mistake. You are not by chance. Your frame was not hidden from God. He says when I was be, He says in this, in this psalm, when I was being formed in secret and intricately and skillfully, I just love those two words, formed. And this translation says, as if embroidered with many colors. Maybe some of you in here embroider or you knit or you do things that involve different colors, tapestry. In the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were appointed for me. That includes right today, right now. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you would be at this conference today hearing this message. He knew it. When as yet there was not one of them even taking shape, we weren't even a thought. I wasn't even a thought in my biological mother's life or mind. I wasn't part of her plan. But somehow I was part of God's before I was even taking shape, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how vast is the sum of them. Your thoughts toward us, God, we can never count, we can never measure, we can never even imagine. That's how vast your thoughts toward us are. And Lord, we pray right now in your presence, you are here. Your Holy Spirit is speaking right now to your daughters. Your Spirit is speaking. Your Spirit is drawing these women to you. I ask that you would open their ears to hear. Open their hearts to perceive and open their eyes to see all that you have created them to be God. We weren't created by chance, and we're not here by chance. We are in your will. We are in your book. You knew us, you formed us, you called everything we need to find our identity in you, God. And I pray for every woman in this room from the youngest to the oldest that you would reveal your wonderful, perfect love for them right now, God, in your presence. They would experience the supernatural love of God, the love of God, the love of God. We need our hearts to understand what that cost you, God, You sent your son to die for us. And if it was just one of us on this planet, you would have sent him to die for me, for one of us. So God, tonight, we pray for your Holy Spirit to do the work that you need to do right now, tonight. Lord, we're not looking to tomorrow yet. We're not looking to what happened yesterday. We're looking to right now in your presence that you would do what you wanna do in us tonight, God, all of us. Some of these women have been working so hard for weeks to get ready for this conference. They need to receive from you tonight. This worship team needs to receive from you tonight. The men that have been here helping, that are still in the back helping, they need to receive from you tonight, Lord. I'm Just gonna ask you to come forward. If you just wanna come spend some time with God, You can kneel at this altar. There's nothing magical about kneeling and there's nothing magical about an altar. It's a place of surrender. It's a place that you can say, okay, God, I'm just gonna surrender. You come and we're gonna worship and we're gonna sing. I'm gonna pray a prayer of closing. If you need to leave, we certainly understand. Maybe you need to get home to your children. Whatever you need to do, if you need to leave, we love you. We'll see you back tomorrow, we'll pray for you. But if you can stay, even just a little bit of time, let God continue to do what he's already started when you walk through those doors today. Lord, we thank you for your presence tonight. We thank you for the songs we have sung and the worship music we have played and sung to you, our Father, our Father who loves us, our Father who created us, and we pray, God, as, as those that can stay calm and those that need to leave, leave, God, that your hand would go with them. Your presence would go with them. You would bring them back tomorrow, refreshed and rested, to hear the next chapter of what you want to speak to them this weekend. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for bringing us. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You're just free to come and worship. If you want to have conversations, we just ask that you take it in the foyer. Let's just have a place of worship and praise in here for a little bit. God bless you. Jaira, you are enough. Gyra,